What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Coons of Horror, the podcast where we review classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we peruse the menu. Like Willy Wonka for rich people, the menu delivers laughs, bloodshed, and a little bit of Angela Bauer from Who's the Boss. With me as always is Dr. Anthony Ladon. So this was in place of Psycho 2, right? Yeah. So that leaves us with well, we're still gonna do Psycho Two or no? I think we're we we push it. It gets it gets bumped. Bumped. Wow. Okay. So we've done Superman three, and that leaves us with only Gremlins. Is that is that right? Predator two. Oh, Predator two. Okay, so that's our next stop. Yeah. All right. So, Steve, what is your relationship with John Leguizamo? <laughs> Man, I thought you were going to ask, what's your relationship with food? <laughs> no, no, I figure you eat it. Yeah. I want to know about you you and your experience, sorted as it may be, with John Leguizamo. Typically hate him. It's, it's... Typically? I thought you universally hated him. Well, um, so actually, I'm really glad that you asked this question, because while I was making my coffee this morning, for some reason, this completely apropos of none of this movie or anything i have had um an elton john song stuck in my head Mm -hmm. and uh i think mid to late 80s early 90s elton john is some of the worst elton john maybe some of the worst music Mm. but it's lion king era uh i would say like right before we're talking like club at the end of the street you know uh Mm -hmm. sad songs say so much that kind of stuff like, mm-hmm. but the, but they are unique in the sense that of all the Elton John songs, they're the ones that'll get in my head and I can't shake them. You know, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. trying to get one of those songs out is like trying to remove a tick in a place you can't reach. Like the head's going to stay, right? Like it's just, it's, and I just don't like the music, but I can't stop singing it. And so anyway, again, I don't know how this all comes together. But as I was singing the club at the end of the street in my head, making my coffee, I started thinking about John Leguizamo. Mm -hmm. as one does as one does right and then i'm so then i'm having this moment where i'm like okay i don't like this song i don't like this uh, era of elton john yet i always sing it and yet sometimes i'll listen to a song all the way through almost like despite it and i'm wondering if i don't actually dislike the songs but maybe i dislike myself for liking them Mm -hmm. and so now i'm wondering what my my relationship with leguizamo is do I maybe not hate mm-hmm. John Leguizamo? So what you're suggesting is that mid-90s Elton John is like your Taco Bell? Yeah, I could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, of course I don't like Taco Bell, but you know what? Sometimes I kind of do like it, and then when I do like it, then I don't like me. You know? Right, right. Like when I am when I know that I've, I'm like, I was like eating a Mexican pizza like it was a watermelon eating contest. I'm like, <laughs> just throw the spork on the floor and just go to town. And I like, I kind of black out for a second. 
So this is where John Leguizamo fits in. Yeah. For you. Okay, so what? <laughs> because, I mean, actually, I mean, I've seen quite a few. And we're we're going to keep this going. I'm really, the, the Leguizamo factor is uh, is a real good angle on this. Because last night, uh, my wife's out of town. So I'm like, as I normally do, I get into bed, you know, and I'm like, I'm not quite ready to go to bed. Because there's nobody there telling me like, hey, could you turn the light off? Could you do this? Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so I prop up the laptop, got a dog, you know, snuggled in, and uh, and I'm like, well, what's a what's a Kurt Russell movie I haven't seen in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And I landed on Executive Decision. Never seen it. Oh wow, <laughs> with Steven Seagal uh, and John Leguizamo, um, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of Leguizamo for me <laughs> in a weekend, <laughs> like like a lot. <laughs> And I'm like, well, I've seen this movie before, and and I kind of forgot Leguizamo was in it, and he's not like going full Leguizamo, right? Um, and I started like thinking, like, well, you know, I don't love Carlito's Way, but I sure have seen Carlito's Way a bunch. I think it's kind of goofy. I thought uh, my, I mean, my here's my impression of you, and clearly I'm getting a more nuanced perspective, but I just thought that you you did a full dry heave whenever you saw or thought of Leguizamo. I've been on record for saying I straight up hate John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is what I remember. I probably said that more than I've ever like expressed love for a parent. In fact, that was going to be your safe word, but because you say it so often, it kind <laughs> yeah. of lost. Right, it's, it's lost the purpose as the safe. Word. Yeah, it almost feels like it's a fetishized thing now at this point. <laughs> so, all right. So I I was watching this movie and I was kind of I was a little. Per- perplexed because i thought because i recommended it and leguizamo's in it <laughs> not only that is i don't think heather's a big leguizamo fan either no I and mean, i don't know how much and, of that is like, and both she and you recommended this movie yeah I, the funny thing about her too is like i bet like she would before we we got together she just sort of you know she uh in in the spirit of this film she just sort of consumed movies right she didn't really like uh-huh she she couldn't tell you director versus you know sure. act you know she I mean she knew actors and stuff but like so I think for her like Leguizamo was just that guy um, and I think it's like until somebody points out ah, man that guy drives me crazy then she's I think she would go well what is it that drives him crazy about him and then now she's mm-hmm. fixated on that so maybe that's sort of one of those things you you'd like sometimes my wife will say like when I was at my grandfather's funeral. Um, funny story uh when i was at my grandfather's funeral and and i'm sort of you know i'm looking around and i'm seeing my um some relatives just like weeping and i'm just like mm-hmm. like are like are you watching a sad thing on your phone you know like what, what's going on <laughs> and and my wife at one point like she she nudges me she's like are you listening to this you know like and i thought maybe i was being chastised for clearly checking out mm-hmm. and uh, and i'm like huh she's like the the pastor sounds just like william shatner And this is when you think this was the right choice. I made oh, the yeah. right. I was I married young, but it was clearly the right choice. Right. So I, I look up, and now I'm just like I'm trying to stifle, you know, laughter. I mean, I'm like now I'm crying, <laughs> just because I'm holding in all this other emotion, mm-hmm. and it's like, and she feels bad because now I'm just like, well, now I can't stop watching this, mm-hmm. and uh, and so, but that's the kind of thing, right? So like she points it out, like I was, I was sort of like. I was to the pastor as she probably was to John Leguizamo prior to me pointing out my disdain mm, for John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and what are your feelings on Leguizamo? You, you, you don't mind Leguizamo, right? I, I take him. He's, he's like white noise for me. 
uh, or uh, it's Puerto Rican noise, I believe. I don't Puerto know. Rican, Puerto Rican. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I may be painting with a broad brush. Uh-huh. Now, now I'm going to look so, up John Leguizamo's 23 and Me. I, you know, whatever. I I don't I don't have any feelings. I don't think about him often. Whenever I think about him, I usually think about you. Colombian. He's Colombian, by the way. So so we'll have to take care All of right. that in post. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, he's Colombian noise, and I feel like I. I would not have any feelings at all about him, but because I know you loathe him, <laughs> that's what I think about when I see him. You know, the only reason like, why I haven't seen the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Luigi. <laughs> so, so I do feel like to have both you and Heather recommend this movie to me, and then find him in the movie, and it's not a it's not a big cast. You know, it's sort mm. of an ensemble cast, but. Mm. But it's not a big cast. And so that means that, you know, there's only, what, 15 people in the movie. And so that this movie is 115th John Leguizamo. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so it was a little bit perplexing to me. And then I, I felt like I, it was just this brilliant move that, to find out that the reason why, spoilers going forward, the reason why John Leguizamo needs to die is because he's just a horrible actor. Yeah, and I think and that's he, why. He I made a, why. a horrible movie that ruined this guy's day off, and then I thought, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. so so in some ways, this was the part of the menu that was made just for me. Like, like if the entire movie was just, the plot was just like, you know, and we're going to, we, for Steve, we're going to eliminate John Leguizamo. But and not, in a way, it was healing. Just eliminate him, call Cook him up. out as a waste of space, a, wa- <laughs> a waste of of a Hollywood paycheck. I just thought that was it was uh, it was a lovely little uh, Easter egg. Yeah, well, no, for sure. And then also for me, like it does this wonderful thing where I'm just like, oh, he's not so bad. <laughs> now I become sympathetic for Leguizamo like, outside. Wait a second. I hated him before it was cool to hate him. And now I'm like, well, now I want to see Dr. Sunshine just just, to, just to, to be contrarian. All right. So I thought maybe that's why Steve likes this movie. Like maybe that's the whole reason. Maybe that was the – it was like the, a two-hour setup for that one punchline. <laughs> and, that, and that was worth it. That was absolutely worth it for Steve. So, I mean, I was kind of wondering, well, I'll just say that I, the first time I saw this, because I've watched it twice now, I was kind of scratching my head. I thought, I don't know why, why this movie was recommended to me. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of was chewing on it for the last couple of days and decided to rewatch it this morning. And I caught a bunch of stuff that I had not caught before. And I think it's kind of growing on me i I think there's a lot more to this movie than meets the eye i I like the way you said that growing on you because i saw this in the theater um while i was in between shows uh and uh i was a little tipsy oh Uh, all right and so there was a portion where i had to go pee and i missed the whole um uh tortilla scene which is pretty crucial (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, yeah so uh, but I mean, I, I walked away from it and I and I was reluctantly like I was trying to explain in the movie and and Heather thought I really didn't like it. She's like, I don't know why. I don't know why you recommend it the way she saw the way that you described this movie. The only reason why I watched it was because it was on. 
And because uh-huh. yeah. um, I think I was wrestling with it too, because I was like, I walked I think away from in it. Her, in an email to me, she said, I initially thought I was a little resentful that I was going to have to waste an evening on this movie. Yeah. 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 Because I described, because I was really, because I think I've had so much, like so many movies sort of ruined by hype. Uh-huh. And yeah, and I honestly wasn't really sure how I felt about it. I walked away from it going, I loved looking at it for one thing. I think it's gorgeous. I think the movie is, you uh-huh. almost can't stop looking at it, right? I think it's wonderfully shot. I think um, especially like any nature scene is really lovely. Yeah. Um, I think the acting is is mostly really good and kind of fun when it's not. Well, it's 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 acting that's meant to kind of caricaturize like certain personality types, right? Right, right. So, you know, Leguizamo is sort of playing a caricature of himself. And, you know, you've got the, you know, the, the food critic who's just a little bit too pretentious, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a little well, over the top. And I think well, that the whole see, thing the is thing. just a tiny bit. And I think you kind of expect that with satire, right? Well, th- there's that. But I think there's also something, I, I think we may see it as over the top at times. But I think it's because we are never fully, you and I have never really fully entered that world. Like well, gone... I was going to say, as soon as I said that, I thought, I, I actually have met these people before. Right. Like and, I... And, I, and I kind of like was wondering afterwards, I, I kind of think, you know, I had an experience once in my life where someone was talking about wine in the same way that the food critic was talking about the food. And I was thinking, did that really happen? Did that... Uh-huh. No, no, that person must have known that she was. No, she was serious. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that there are people out there like that. But you're right to say that you and I don't sort of swim in those waters very often. Right. So I think for for sort of the maybe the average viewer that maybe doesn't have that kind because of, like we you know growing up in Sonoma County like we have access to a lot of really like pretty high end stuff right and and the very fact that I refer to it as high end stuff suggests that I probably don't belong in that world. Um, but that's, but that's, but that's a part of of the culture that's out here. So well, access, some of it, some of yes, it, I become, some of but, it, I become a, like I don't look at it as much. Uh-huh. You know, I don't see it as much because I'm kind of in my own. Right. But I mean, we have access to this. I mean, I've been to places where the plating is kind of over the top, right? And and I'm like, can I eat this part? You know, like these are the kinds of questions you ask. You know, because I'm I'm the dummy that's just going like, mm, tastes good. Uh, but then at the same time, like I've, like I've worked in wine and I've dealt with some of the worst know-it-alls and yeah, some of, yeah. and so, so that I think part of the movie that resonated with me was, again, I didn't, I don't work. I don't, I don't suggest that I am high-end dining experienced uh, on the other side of the, but I mean, I have worked in wine where you're, where you're catering to a lot of time you're trying to create an experience. Like, so that's kind of like number one, you're creating an experience that people want to duplicate and that's how you make money. Right. So you sell it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to not only cater to the the people, but you have to cater to their egos. They mm-hmm. have to be, I mean, even if they're getting, if they're gaining knowledge, that's wonderful, but they're still going to be the smartest person in the room when they leave. And, and that's exhausting. So there's a part well, of me but that famously, re- this that. led to your Mark Lynn Baker experience. That's true. That's true. Who was, so by the way, not all bad. Mar- Mark Lynn Baker would not have been killed in my restaurant, I'll tell you right now, because he was an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> All right. So you're you're right to say that. Like, for instance, sometimes when I've been up for like a high end job back in the day when I actually published and whatnot, when I cared about mm-hmm. in my career. 
Sure. I would I would go on a job interview, and the, and if it was a big research institution, they would kind of wine and dine you. So I have had a couple experiences in my life where, not necessarily like a private island that was its own, you know, locally sourced restaurant or whatever, right? But I've been around that bit, you know. I've I've been around it. For me, it seemed like the movie was a straight parody of Chef's Table, which mm. I love to watch. And, you know, I, I know it's a little over the top, but I it's sort of one of my guilty pleasures. Are you a Chef's Table fan? Not familiar with it. Okay. So it's it's a it's a food show on Netflix. And a lot of the camera work that you're pointing out, like the nature camera work or the camera work on the plates of food and the font being used to like describe each meal, that's a straight parody of Chef's Table. Mm. And they actually name checked uh, Chef's Table in the film. And so for me, there was like, that extra layer of like, oh, yeah, I, this is totally Chef's Table. Gotcha. Um, but that, but it will what what Chef's Table will do is episode by episode it will feature a particular personality behind food and you know they're more they're they're cast as kind of an artist type and uh, you know sometimes they're you know they, sometimes they're prickly folks uh, kind of like this Julian guy we meet in the film yeah no that 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 makes sense I mean yeah so I mean again like, I like. Because it is working as a satire, and like I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who absolutely hated this film. And um, by the way, I can see that. I mean, I don't. Yeah. If someone hated this film, I could totally see why that why that is the case. I feel like for me, it was kind of a like kind of a curiosity at the end of it, because you can't really recommend a film to someone and not build it up. You know? Sure. Just, just by virtue of recommending it, right? Right, that's right. And so I, I kind of got the Leguizamo, uh, you know, ankle, yeah. <laughs> and that was enjoyable. But I don't feel like I really enjoyed it until the second watch. Uh, which well, was so yeah, so my fr- first experience, I walked out going like, I think I liked it, but I also have some issues with it. Like I feel some moments are a little ham-fisted, some moments. Um, are a little too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the satire isn't as subtle as I may have liked, but I couldn't quite shake it. Like going like, I just I'm all to me. It was one of those. I, and again, going back to sort of that Elton John earworm thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't be thinking about the movie this much. No. I mean, like I'm not thinking about things that I hated about it. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking about it. So I'm like, I'm like, cause I, so I feel unsettled. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So watching it a second time, uh, I was like, oh, I think this is pretty fun. And I think that was what I was missing the first time was like, this is fun. And and I think that there are certainly better thrillers out there. Uh, there are certainly better satires out there. But in a way, I felt like, and some of the critiques of this, like even the positive ones say, it's all the things I said, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to look at, it's fun to watch, It's but it doesn't feel like it's, especially deep or, or there's not Mm. like, there's not as much meat to it. And, and maybe this is just me enjoying maybe more of a meta approach and giving the filmmakers credit where they don't necessarily deserve it. But at the same time, you know, like I say, art does what it wants to do. Um, There's a part of me that feels like, well, well, this is a fancy s'more, right? At the end of the day, (laughs) 
at the end of the day, you're going to get like, you're going to get a s'more that's mm -hmm. super like, maybe it's maybe the, the chocolates, you know, it's fair trade, it's 70%, mm -hmm. you know, dark chocolate, and the marshmallows are made, uh, you know, in house, and there's just a touch of natural vanilla bean. And the graham crackers are also painstakingly created with the right amount of cinnamon. And it's nutmeg. That's the difference. You know, whatever it is, right? So they make, and it's plated in such a way it's deconstructed. And when you get it, you go, wow, this is really something to look at. But kind of what I want is I want it to taste like a really good s'more. <laughs> and if it tastes like a s'more, I don't mind. I don't mind all the other stuff. Like, so there's two two perspectives. One person be like, hey, that's a s'more. I could have just made that at home. And the other side, I'm like... Yeah, but it's kind of fun when someone takes something kind of basic and dulls it up. <laughs> and and I feel like that's, I think, why I like the menu. The menu is, it's a fancy Mexican pizza. Like at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's not wowing me. It's not blowing me away with, but I'm like, I, I really like Mexican pizzas. And sometimes I like a Mexican pizza in a fancy box. Well, I think we've covered this a little bit with, our coverage of House of the Dragon, but th there is something to be said for a film that's put in a setting that you would like to visit. So I don't often spend a lot of money on food, but I would absolutely adore going to a restaurant like this. And I would put up with all the pretentiousness. I would put up with everything just to have the experience of the flavor. So there's something about a film that's set in a location that's a little bit of like wish fulfillment for you. I think I forgive a little of the movies. I don't know if it can be accused of just surf surface level stuff because it did feel like like a little bit of a vacation. I guess that, that that's surface level, but there's a couple deeper themes here that I think we ought to talk about. No, and I yeah, and I would like to do that because I do think that there uh, and that the second watch really helped me with that, right? Because I think mm -hmm. you know anytime you watch a thriller. Um, or even a satire, you know, I think it's the first time you kind of get maybe some of the surface stuff. Right. And I think that's why I wanted the second watch was because I was like, I am all there's, there has to be more, uh, not that I was left necessarily wanting, but I'm all, there has to be more. And by the way, just, just for the record, when like, like we enjoyed the movie, so that's part of why we recommended it, but also because I know that you're, you know, you're still, uh, I wouldn't say in your infancy, but you're you're in maybe your toddler phase of like mm -hmm. horror and thrillers. So I'm like, this is a just starting with solid food, yeah. Right. So I'm like, this is this is an I, I thought this is an accessible uh, way to kind of get in into this type of a film. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do people like people in it that you like. No, no. I I enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed it. I think that if I just stumbled upon it, I probably might have just enjoyed it a little bit more. Right. You and Heather are both right. This is kind of in my wheelhouse. There was some gore, but it's not it's not necessarily a slasher film. It has a, a couple like larger themes. I, I yeah, I, th this is the kind of film film I like. And there's humor, right? Like there's sort of dark yeah. humor. Right. Um and uh yeah, so it 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 checks a lot of those boxes, so that's kind of the recommendation. And ultimately, I think I wanted to just talk about it with somebody who uh, didn't hate it. <laughs> so, all right. So is this film about food or is it about anything that becomes a platform for prestige? Yeah. Like and I, I, I think it's the latter. Okay. And I think I think the idea that it's not about the former is is part of the message, right? Because I think there's there's this underlying notion of like... <laughs> It's just food, everybody. 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there's almost that quality to it, which, which is like, we've, you know, we will do this with anything. Right. And yeah, I, yeah. and I, and it's not, this isn't just necessarily a modern critique, but I think that there's, it's accentuated with social media. It's accentuated with um, just uh, access and the internet and all that stuff. And like, and how important, like, like food unifies, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to get people to come to a meeting that nobody's going to want to come to tell them that there's going to be food. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all motivated by food for a couple of reasons. One keeps us alive Two, it's tasty. You know, I, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll tell people, you know, my favorite thing about this particular piece of food, the taste and, and I'm not wrong. And so the thing about food is like, it's, it's something that for the most part, we can all agree on. Now we can disagree on what we want, but we can all agree that we'd like to go get something to eat. If we go out to a movie, are we going to go out to eat before? We're going to go out to eat after. Well, we want to go out to eat after because we can talk and eat at the same time. But that's the one time we can sit there and and, and chat. Um, so, well, food, you know. and it's it's I, what you're calling out here is that it is fundamental in that way. It is mundane. You know, it's a thing mm-hmm. of the world. It's you know, it's something like breathing. You have to do it. And, and of if course, you can find a way to take something you have to do and make yeah. it exciting or yeah yeah well elevated to art right if if you can elevate it to art and if you can also find a way to take the mundane and create elitism there's an that's another layer right and that's what this is really coming at to me and i think that it's it's perfectly called out when he's asking uh the guy you've been here 11 times most people get get one and they're and they're over the moon what's what have you eaten not what's your favorite can you just say something you've eaten before? Just sit, tell me one thing that I served you. That's and, and, you know, and it's it's kind of simplistic, right? And and I remember talking to some, you know, some, like, some my friend who hates it. And they're kind of like, yeah, so you're going to kill somebody over that? I was like, that's, well, yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, he's killing <laughs> this one guy because Dr. Sunshine sucked. And I think that there was, like, this concern that, like, well, there's got to be deeper motivation. I'm like, now that's the film, right? I mean, I think what it's saying is that, like, his his rationale for killing people is because it's like, you've, you've taken them. I've taken the mundane mm-hmm. and you've helped elevate that, you know, to, to art and to elitism. And now I'm trapped. I'm mm-hmm. trapped in, 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 a, in the world of, of, I have to make elite food and for people that don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I have to create an experience to the point where I am, I mean, notoriously, uh, you know, chefs and, and cooking staffs, I mean, they are miserable. They work so hard yeah, in yeah, some yeah. of the worst conditions for the, I mean, you know, how often does somebody say, hey, can you bring the chef out? I want to tell them how great they did. I mean, it's, life is Yelp. And, you know, and so it's, it's he's so removed from it. And then I, and, and so it's, it's the whole concept is like, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We can take the mundane. We can take something that brought joy. Look no further than like the one time you see him smile ever when he's a kid, mm-hmm. make it a burger. And like every other picture is just him, just miserable. Right. And as he gains notoriety, he just gets more and more miserable. So he, you know, so there's something about like, Hey, I made a really killer burger for the average person like you're not thinking that but that was kind of where they were at right and so now it's like that's his first like award killer burger or whatever it is and and so it's it's the it's the reduction of of joy right i mean it's like and none of these people seem to really enjoy it they're looking for opportunities to take pictures they're looking for opportunities to critique it they're looking for they just want to say they had the experience and at the end of the day it's just food 
Like when he says that it's just going to turn to shit in your gut. Like, I love that line. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of because ultimately he's saying is like, look, I go through all this effort. We go through so much death just to sustain life so that I can just turn it to death again. Yes. All right. So if it's not just about food, then it kind of speaks to me in a different way because, <clears throat> you know, like I got a PhD studying stories that people used to tell around the campfire. Mm, right. I got a I got a PhD like learning the original languages of children's stories. Mm. So <laughs> Yeah. It's like Yeah, you you majored in flannel graph. I, I did. I <laughs> I did. I got a PhD in flannel graph. So not only that is I, I've written books about it, and those books have become trophies for me. I, those those books bring me a certain amount of prestige when I go to conferences. And I'm kind of at that level where I'm like, yeah, but basically what I did is I, I took something that was beautiful and I turned it into shit mm, yeah. <laughs> Be- because, because everything's about the trophy. Everything's about the prestige. And you can do that with almost anything. You know, you could, you know, people used to sing songs around the campfire and now you can become prestigious by not just playing music, but criticizing music. You know, you could right. be a film critic and and not necessarily enjoy your job and we do this with you can have a you can have a mildly successful podcast talking about superman 3 that's right that's right so and i my guess is about 50 years from now uh people will look back on the stand-up comic golden age uh that we're experiencing and you could probably get a phd in that you could you could Mm -hmm. you could probably mean that we're just starting to see programs budding where you can actually study stand-up comedy at a university level. That's how it starts. 50 years from now, you'll be able to get a PhD in it. And then what will happen is unless you say the right words in the right order, then you don't know what you're talking about. Right. So you do that with almost anything. And I think that that's almost what this film is about. It's like, this is something that used to bring me joy, and now it it's only brought me prestige, and, and the joy was choked out of it. And I started chasing the prestige, and now I'm miserable. And you are all miserable, too. We're all miserable people. We're so miserable, we deserve to die. Right. And I think, I, I mean, people do that with almost anything. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you could do that with architecture. You could do that with anything that was once mundane and then became art. So that's for me, that's kind of why I connect with this film. In addition to that, I do think that there are a couple very not subtle religious uh, elements to this movie. I I didn't catch them until the second time around, though. Yeah, and I'd love to discuss those too. But yeah, going back on what you said, the um, the idea of of elevating something to death. Yeah, that's right. Right. I I like I like that, and it's not. I mean, that's not. There's nothing new under the sun there necessarily. I mean, we've seen critiques of that, and I'm sure we've seen other. You know, I've not come to mind, but like other satirical looks at that. Um, but I think the movie, this particular film, does a really good job of of incorporate like using its style mm. like it uses its style not only as parody but i think it also uses its style intentionally to be 
to be an elevated experience, right? Like it, it the movie's an elevated experience, at least in the way it's shot and the and like yeah, yeah. and it's and, and even in its lack of subtlety, right? I think that's a in in a way. I mean, is it intentional? It doesn't almost have it. All it doesn't have to be right. Uh, going back to the, I mean, the here we are, you know, dissecting this art, but the, the idea is that that it is uh, like that that this culture, this the the plating, the mm-hmm. the prestige that's rarely subtle um in fact one of the criticisms of you know of, of some of the the higher end restaurants is how little food you get right and how minimalistic it is and that's the irony right like it's mm. it's minimalism is the part that is screaming in your face like that's that's the the biggest most bombastic part of it is how little you're getting <laughs> and and i think that that's fascinating right and so i think yeah. i really you know, and this movie has uh, like so you have the the parody side, you've got the the thriller side, you have the like we're talking about the the breakdown of the uh, almost fetishizing of of, mm-hmm. of of the mundane and what that leads to. Um, but then you can get to like because like I'm talking to my my friend, like I said, who hated it, like his, his kind of thing is kind of like the the why. Right. Like like I don't know if I buy the chef's plan like it doesn't work for me that these people have to die and i said i think and it, and, and so i kind of came back at it and like now like the more i talk about this movie the more i enjoy it um and i said well you're giving him you want him to be an evil genius but he's a chef right. he's a good chef well he even says at one point like you guys could have tried to leave like it exactly actually you, you guys could totally hard. you could have taken us <laughs> i love that <laughs> But so there, so what's kind of the point I was trying to make with him was like, well, you're you're going, but why is he doing these things? Because how, like, you want your villain to be this diabolical uh, mastermind and be like, oh my gosh, his plan. I'm like, yeah, well, that's just it. He's built to be this genius because of the food he makes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that's like, I man, I will kill Doctor Sunshine because it sucked. Right. And so that's that's not an evil genius. That's a guy who's who's good at his job and just beat down and is mad like he's <laughs> he's just he's he's narcissistic uh-huh. and he's pissed and he's over it. And so that's what I see. And that's what I think makes him a very interesting and compelling villain uh-huh. is that this isn't Lex Luthor. This is this is a guy who just kind of snapped. <laughs> just said, I'm done with it. Well, he's a, he's a genius in a way that he, you know, prepares food, right? Sure, right? I mean, he, he he understands it. And so I think what he's realized over his career, however long it was, is that the more prestigious he's gotten, the more power he has over the people in his restaurant. Right. And I think he hates the whole thing, and he's wondering how far it will go. Like... I wonder how much power I actually have here. Well, it's agency, right? Could I serve them no bread? Right. Could I serve them a plate with no bread and call and it Mar- art? Mar- I love what Margot says. Like, you like this? He's <laughs> insulting you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I think that's great. Like, I think that's a great because I think that is the whole because mm-hmm. again, I go back to agency, right? He's like, I'm going to be quote chef until the day I die. This is who I am. Yeah. And I will be serving these kind of people till the day that I die. Mm. And and so it ends up with, well, 
why not just speed up the process <laughs> and rather than than die of exhaustion or you know die uh, alone hey you know what i'm gonna die with my crew and i'm gonna mm. kill these people that are killing me <laughs> it's gonna happen anyway i'm gonna have complete agency over all of our demise which in a way he right. always does he, he does is the chef always has control over life and death right i mean that's that's sort of the whole point right i mean you're whether it's whether it's plant matter whether it's it's meat your your first thing to do is to is to get death kill it or mm. get that which has been killed to bring people life but also they made very clear <laughs> if that if that meat ages on 153 days that 152 you're dead so they're always on the like they can like this thing that I'm giving you that is this mundane way to stay alive. The way that it's prepared is such a way that I, I'm on a tightrope of your health. And I think right. there's something kind of interesting about that, right? Like I could have killed you anytime you visited and no one would have to have known that it was intentional. So that's kind of leads me into the first God theme, right? Because so Tyler says early on, he says. All those other pursuits, all those other people, fanboys for sports and musicians and things, those people are idiots. Yeah. What chefs do is so much more important because they are working with the raw materials of life. There's your first God theme. Right. He says he's always working right on the edge of abyss, which is calls out what you were just talking about. And he said, which, by the way, is what God does. It was early in the film, and it's a little bit like, okay, I guess I I understand this guy's motivations. He's almost deifying this particular kind of artist because this is the art that speaks to him. So the chef already is in the god position, which, you know, like you said, controls life and death. And I did. So I noticed that the first time I saw it, the second time I saw it, I realized, oh, this whole thing is a sort of an anti Last Supper. Mm. So if you think about the Last Supper, it's sort of in the in in the guise of a meal, right? Right. And uh, literally, it is these people's Last Supper. You know, so you have that's kind of on the nose. Um, we find out that the ship is just big enough to hold a small amount of people because. He only invites 12 people at a time. Mm -hmm. So then you have that number 12, like the 12 disciples. Sure. And the reason why I'm calling it an anti-Last Supper is that he kind of derisively, you know, when he's talking about bread, he's talking about sort of the, the, the class distinction between the values of bread. And he basically says, you know, Jesus tells us to beg for our daily bread. And then what he does is he serves them a plate without bread. Right. So it is, it's, you know, it's sort of in the guise of the Last Supper, but this is not a Christ figure. This is a kind of an Antichrist figure. Maybe it feels more Old Testament God than it does New well, Testament. Well, I would Christ. almost say this. I would almost say these are not poor fishermen. These are the people that Jesus would have completely rejected. You know, uh, gotcha. this is not blessed are the poor. This is cursed are the rich. Right, right. And eventually the one person who doesn't belong in the room, I don't know if she outsmarts him or just plays his game, learns to play the game that he wants her to play. 
you know, but whatever she does, she brings a little bit of joy into his life finally. So he can actually create something that is good. And I think that that well, kind of goes way, way back to the beginning of, you know, creation is supposed to be a thing that is good. And that actually results in her life and not her death. Well, and I think there's something to be said there, too, is that he's been miserable and he now he like and he, it it isn't this act that she does that brings him that restores joy. Yeah. Does not restore faith, but it gives him peace to some degree where he's like, oh, I'm still going to go through with my plan. I'm still going to die tonight, uh-huh. but I'm going to set you free because you, you gave me something that I didn't think I could have again. And that was the joy of cooking. Well, the, all right. So maybe That's we're one beyond, read, right? I, I think, I think absolutely that works. I think that if you're going to like move beyond the religious part of it is that, the rules that these guys play by are the are the kind of things that he wants to destroy. Like he hates he hates all the rules of the game. He hates playing the game. He hates that this one person liked his food, she wrote about it, put words to it, and that made him famous. Those are right. the rules of the game that he wants to deconstruct. He's willing to kill over cuz it's it's brought him nothing but misery. But then what Margot does is that she reminds him that there are older rules to the game. And some of those older rules are you use American cheese on a cheeseburger because when it melts, it doesn't split. These very basic rules. The basic rules of the game are you just want to bring joy to the person that you're feeding. Old, old school rules. And then finally... When the person can't finish the food, you give them a box or a doggy bag to take away, and they get to leave the restaurant. They get to go eat it somewhere else. Right. Those are the older school rules, right? You get to take that experience with you. In fact, if you don't let her go, then your food is wasted. That's right. And so he realizes that she's not playing by those rules, and in fact, those are the rules that brought him joy once upon a time. So he ends up letting her live because she lives, she swims in different waters than the rest of these people, and she plays by different rules than these other people. Yeah. Steve, is there uh, one trope device or cliche that you enjoyed in this movie? I like the um, this this obedience, this blind obedience that the uh, the kitchen staff has. Like I, the whole thing, everything with the clap, with the shouting. Yeah. Uh, I love how unsettling it is because it is not like I love the contrast of that to the um, to sort of this elevated meal. <laughs> you know, it's like like there's this militaristic obedience. It's uh, I don't know. There's something about the like that those sort of jarring moments where like the clap becomes like a, when a noise is something that is uh, repeated, I think, in horror and uh, yeah to the point where it's like, it starts off one way. And then at the end, like by the time that clap happens again, everyone's just like, (laughs) what's next. (laughs) I like a, I like sort of a, a false savior in a film like this. Oh yeah. So she gets kind of guided to this residence, right? His residence on the Island. She ends up having to, you know, kill the hostess. And then she finds herself in a room that has a radio. 
and she's going to radio for help and um, not the Cuba Gooding Jr. radio, <laughs> which would have been a real interesting twist. <laughs> not, not that one. An actual radio. And so, you know, the Harbor Patrol guy comes in and it's all tense because, you know, who's who's going to say we're in trouble. We're, we're about to die. And then, of course, he ends up pulling out his gun and it, it's a lighter. and He's going to light one of the candles with it. I don't know why I didn't see that coming, but I didn't see it coming. It's totally typical to have a false savior kind of that right. like that in a movie like this. But that absolutely worked for me. And it kind of to me, it was it was that scene was most affecting because I realized why is no one yelling for help? Right. That's what this guy's voice does to people. He can command a wait staff. He can command a kitchen. He can command even his you know, patrons like the voice of God so that they're afraid even to shout, you know, this guy just killed someone. Well, there's so many moments of like where they're in disbelief and they're like, no, this is all part of this is all show. This is like, I blows mm-hmm. his brain. That's all show. It's all show. And I, and, and I don't think they ever fully shed that because yeah, yeah. these people are so conditioned to having the ultimate experience <laughs> that is elite and unique yeah. that on some level being killed by this genius is also elite. <laughs> well, that's certainly Tyler's view on this, right? Right. His his whole thing is he thinks he knows he yeah. know, he's the only one that knows he knows and he knows that he needs to have a date because he can only get in with a date, which makes him the most. Is he the most despicable? character? Oh, I, absolutely. He is. And he's and he gets humiliated before yeah. he dies. You know, does that help you? Does that maybe in the second watch? Does that maybe changed a little bit? Because you're like now you're looking at Tyler's actions a little differently from the beginning. I mean, you could say that all these people are despicable in their own ways. Yeah. He almost attracts the most amount of ire because he's the one that, like, knowingly is knowingly throwing away an innocent life because he thinks he gets to participate in art in some way. He's And, and he knows he's going to die and he's yeah. okay with dying. And he's just, and he gives somebody else the death sentence just so he can have his his moment right and that's that elitism right well it's uh, also a religious connection right people are willing to die if they get to participate right so well and i i think uh so i think there's a lot to discuss there too because there is an alternate reading of the cheeseburger oh tell me that suggests that the cheeseburger and its two patties represent the two people that died in the kitchen uh, that took their own lives. And oh. that there is there is a potential for a cannibalistic quality, too. Oh, uh, so you think that the, uh, the, the, the ground beef is actually their flesh? Well, there's a question of whether or not they've been eating people at all right oh, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I i think that that because like when heather first started watching this she's like i was expecting this to be like oh they're all going to be cannibals or they're serving people and uh-huh. and i was like no that's not what it is but then later i was like well do we know that right i mean i don't know i mean like he says you're all part of the menu right i mean yeah yeah there you could you could read that as you know the metaphorical look this is all part of my grand masterpiece and the menu is what i'm considered like you know death is on the menu 
there's another reading of that that says, no, no, like you, you guys, I've been doing this all along. <laughs> well, <laughs> and this, and it could, and that would absolutely fit with the Last Supper theme too. This is my body broken for you, right? You know, the the bread yeah. is the body, right? And and it could, and so there's. There's the reading that when she takes a bite and the burger at the end, I mean, that's that's her literally eating the rich. <laughs> yeah, that, it works for the class interpretation, too. Right. Yeah. So there's that. And there's also an idea that. that there's an also there's a theory out there that uh, chef knowingly gives her uh, food that will kill her. Oh, so she's actually going to die in the end. Yeah, that it's um that it's that, you know, we get that. The whole if the meat is 153 days, uh, or uh-huh. I mean, and and in it, I mean, it almost doesn't. I mean, like it, it, it changes the story, right? It changes the. I, I kind of like the eat the rich idea. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't and, work if if she dies. I feel like I, I, I'm not really keen on that interpretation because I do feel like she's able to earn her salvation by by bringing joy back into his life. I, I feel like if the joy is not brought back, mm-hmm. then the movie feels less cathartic to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'd be okay with it being human flesh just for the sake of that eat the rich thing but i don't i don't think it works if she dies either i don't know I, and i don't get the sense like i think that's just out there as a as a theory um i don't i don't feel like the movie presents that as as the the point right like mm-hmm. or the, the, the there's no danger like her her exit is actually pretty um it feels pretty clear that it is an exit right yeah i think so i think so Steve, is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? I'd say it's like a Howard plus two. I think I think that Howard may do things with. Um, I don't know that I would say that he would be doing things maybe more subtly, but I think he may he may err on the side of subtlety that might actually make this movie less enjoyable. Because I think yeah. I think some of the lack of subtlety works for me. Yeah, I'm gonna say Howard plus one. I feel like uh, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a little bit, a little bit better the first time, a, a little bit better the second time. Yeah, no, and I and I actually, it's funny because like it's it's nice. It's a it's an hour and forty seven minutes, so it's not particularly long. Um, I don't feel like there's like there's maybe there's moments you you know there may be some eye roll moments or whatever, but I don't feel like there's like a lag. So it's like it's easy to watch. It's mm-hmm. you know again I'm gonna keep using these food analogies it's real digestible um you can you can you can watch it in a way that's like enjoyment you know like mm-hmm. just just like the consumption side of it or you can you can kind of pour over it and analyze it right and i think and then you know going back to my friend who really hated it and like he had some very specific moments like he didn't he didn't like that uh you know the judith light character just sort of waves her on like she could just go mm-hmm. uh it's like that really bothered him and and I'm like, well, I I think it works because I mean, if you watch, like I said, he made it clear you guys could have you guys could have taken us, mm-hmm. and you opted not to, and and I think he knows that their weakness is they're weak, you know, and then they are, and there is a sense of like, as the I mean, it, you know, you going back to your religious themes, I mean, they're almost. Re- realizing that they need to to burn for their sins. Yeah, they're and almost they, sheep. Sheep led to the slaughter, right? Yeah, and they. It's like, what are you gonna do? 
what are you going to go back to? Right. I mean, what are you like, let's say you leave. It's like, or if everybody like, what are you going to like, let's say the police do come and they get arrested. It's like, well, you're like your extortion, you know, your embezzlement mm -hmm. is, is out there. You know, that's, that's a real thing. Um, you know, I mean, not every like one you know, <laughs> poor leg was Amo, who, by the way, is only credited as movie star. <laughs> uh, In the movie, he's, it, he's a guy named Damien Garcia, but he's unhappy that she used his real name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love I, I, I so I think I think when it's at its most absurd is is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um and again, some of these critiques are on the nose, but I, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like, I think for some people, they feel like like they could see this and go, these are such over-the-top caricatures that uh, I don't resonate and don't feel like, like, of course, that person should probably die, but that person doesn't exist. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard somebody say to another person, do you know who I am? Because I have. You have. And uh, I've thought about burning them uh, like a s'more. You got a name drop. <laughs> Who did you hear say? Well, no, this is nobody I know, but I've just observed it. But did you know who the person was? No, which makes it all the more interesting. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.